Hello, this is Molly Gamble, Vice President of Editorial for Becker's Healthcare and Editor-in-Chief of Becker's Hospital Review. Thank you for being part of the Becker's Healthcare Health IT and Clinical Leadership and Pharmacy Virtual Event. Mm -hmm. To add this ongoing conversation today, I'm pleased to interview Dr. Russ Frank, Dr. Russ Funk, CEO of Banner Pharmacy Services. Russ was appointed CEO of Banner Pharmacy Services in July 2018 following a broad range of leadership experiences within the healthcare market, including activities throughout the continuum of care focused on innovative strategies and developing new products and solutions that enhance quality of life for both patients and caregivers. Prior to Banner, Russ spent eight years working as a strategic customer vice president for Becton Dickinson and has held many healthcare roles in clinical and operational pharmacy leadership, product management, and leading sales and marketing teams. Russ, a native of Kansas, moved to Arizona in 2018. He holds a Doctor of Pharmacy degree from Creighton University and a Master of Health Services Administration degree from the University of Kansas. He is currently a member of ACHE and serves on the Accelera board. So Russ, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us today and thank you for your time. Molly, thanks uh, for your time as well and thanks for Beckers for putting this on. Absolutely. So, Russ, you and I are setting out today to discuss key thoughts on price and quality transparency in pharmacy. But before we do that, I'm hoping to learn just a, more, a bit more about you. Um, can you tell us about your current role with Banner and why you joined the system in 2018? Sure, thanks. So about uh, two years ago, Banner called and uh, started to uh, talk about this role. And one of the things that really excited me about this role was the standpoint that I had to balance both managed pharmacy services and um, traditional fee-for-service retail environments, hospital, clinical. So uh, within this role, I've got it's a it's an LLC of Banner or within the Banner organization, and so it provides a little more flexibility from that standpoint of how we manage uh, the the different business lines. And so we've got six different business lines. Um, which include uh, specialty pharmacy, retail pharmacy, home delivery, uh, acute care, clinical, and then prep and dispense, or how we, how we move meds throughout the system. And uh, the opportunity that Banner gave me to run this was just a, uh, one that I just couldn't pass up from that standpoint. Great. So it sounds like you're managing, like you said, both covered lives and traditional fee-for-service lives. And you also have these six different business lines you mentioned. And I know all of this is going to come up in our conversation today, um, which is mostly going to revolve around consumerism in healthcare, a, a big majority of it, specifically as it relates to prescription drugs. And Russ, you know, we're speaking just shortly after we saw unemployment rates soar in April to 0.7%, the highest level on record. That will certainly carry repercussions for people's insurance coverage, consumer spending, and behaviors that determine their health. So I think as a backdrop for our conversation today, if rising drug prices were a major concern two months ago, that concern has only escalated to where we are today. Uh, what do you see as the largest pain points for consumers as it relates to the price and quality of, of their prescriptions? Well, I think you bring up a very interesting time because of the standpoint that, you know, people may be losing insurance or maybe going to more high deductible plans to help lower their overall costs. And you know, some of the things that that's gonna really cause is price shopping. And you know, how do you go for the best service out there? And 
how do you start really looking at combining not only the the medications but also with the physician visits um, or seeing a provider out there? Uh, the last thing we want the customer or the, the patient to be doing is to miss their medications because that will be the biggest cost of getting readmitted back to a hospital or an ED visit. And so we want to make sure that we manage them through these changes uh, because anytime you have changes in insur insurance or insurance companies, it may cause a standpoint of you having to switch pharmacies or having to switch how you get your medication. And that lag or that change may cause people not to, to renew their medications or a change in copay where they start questioning, you know, should I be getting this medication or do I have to have it? Uh, I feel fine without it. And so, you know, those are things that, uh, you know, during this time of, like you said, un unemployment going up, and of people either losing jobs or being put on furlough. It's one of those times that we really wanna make sure that patients are getting their medications. Um, you know, there's multiple aspects that that goes into it that have been really COVID related around the standpoint of, we see a lot more medications now going through, med through mail order. Um, we also see a lot of the time where people are getting meds sent to them or delivered to them. And so it's really changed some of the models of how people get meds. Uh, the more that we're at home, the more that those additional services really make a difference. And how we're seeing, we've seen a lot more of meds transferred to our home delivery mechanisms or to that mail order standpoint. And that all plays into this as well, because you know, through mail order or through home delivery, you may go from 30 day to 90 day scripts. And so that may change what the physician has to do. So it may cause you know, having to involve the provider into it. Um, but also it may cause more dollars up front so that if you're paying for a 90-day script, it may be more expensive than that 30-day script. And so, you know, all of those factors play into this. Um, but, you know, really starting to look at, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, the, exp the patient experience out there and some of the largest consumer points that we're seeing are, you know, just the, the use of discount cards. So a lot of times you'll hear from your friends or neighbors or you'll see on TV, all of the apps or discount cards or websites that you can go to to find where is my lowest dollar medication and how do I go through that? Those are some of the things that you know, really concern me as a pharmacist because there are so many times that you, know, you, may get, you may be on four different medications and you get them from four different places because that's where the lowest cost is. And then you're not having that cohesive profile so who determines which meds interact with the, other, with the other ones? Do you share all of your meds at each pharmacy of here's what I'm also taking? So that they can enter those in and make sure that there's no interactions out there. Um, you know, price transparency issues out there really come into this as well of, you know, some of those I may be getting through discount cards, some of those I may be getting through insurance. Um, you know, when do you balance that out? And, uh, you know, just the confusion around you know, what did I get from insurance when I switched pharmacies? And, you know, why is this now a $15 copay versus the other pharmacy was a $6.50 script? And so there's lots of confusion points that, you know, this type of scenario can bring into it. And, uh, you know, it's one that uh, the biggest concern is around that clinical aspect. Um, this last spring, uh, it always was interesting to me as I saw one of the boys who had asthma on my son's baseball team. And he would run through the pharmacy, or sorry, he would run through the dugout in between innings. He would take a quick puff of his inhaler and be running out. And I think he ran out of the dugout before any of the inhaler could actually get expelled out of the inhaler. Um, and it's one of those, you know, who's teaching 
the patients how to take their medications and doing those spot checks on a, you know, every other or every six month basis. So are you taking your inhalers right? Are you administering appropriately? And creating that relationship with your pharmacy or pharmacist uh, really can make a difference in the overall patient care uh, from that standpoint. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you brought up so many interesting remarks. They're just, I've seen documentaries and news segments where people will be kind of piecemealing together various prescriptions for their family uh, at lower cost settings via online or different pharmacies. But the care profile, like you said, and how those medications interact with one another, any risks they pose, so critical to their ultimate outcomes. Um, and, you know, it's too soon to say, I would imagine, just yet what we're going to be seeing with the economic repercussions of this pandemic on your patient population at Banner, but knowing that it's 28 hospitals, you serve six states, do you have any firsthand observations when it comes to how drug prices inform or influence behaviors such as picking up re re refilling prescriptions, picking them up, adhering to them as prescribed, not taking outdated or expired medications or pill splitting, uh, are there any firsthand observations or anecdotes you, you could share with us that you've seen firsthand from your time at Banner? Yeah, there's, there's a couple. And, uh, you know, we just switched um, our PBMs. And so we manage the clinical side and we manage the overall administrative of our employee plan. And, you know, one of the things that we saw during the switch was people didn't really understand when they were getting things on a cash basis or through a discount card versus getting through the insurance. And so as they switched, we switched from um, Walgreens being the primary to us being the primary as the filler uh, or the main pharmacy. And then we had, you know, CVS as anything that was first fill or that they couldn't get to us. And so as they made the switch between pharmacies and as they switched you know, due to the new rules of how we, we contracted for this year, um, it really changed the way people paid for it. So they would, every once in a while I would get a call of, why is my medication now twice as much as it was before? And so, you know, overall, from an overall perspective, we lowered everybody's med costs or their out-of-pocket costs. But on a case-by-case -case basis, there were opportunities where either it was miscoded or where they were getting it from a discount card previously and uh, you know the, the previous pharmacy had been substituting in a discount card to help lower the costs. And so you know, we really had to look at that on a case-by-case -case basis and determine, you know, can we match that cost? Can we look at you know, the overall cost that the employee is paying and, uh, and or look at uh, you know, is, there, is there a discount card that we can accept that would help with that process? Or should we look at you know, how we do our cash pricing? And so, you know, really brought in a lot of different options of, you know, when do prices go up and how does that affect what consumers are doing? And a lot of the times it did cause them to go price shopping, um, to look at, go back to their old pharmacy and say, okay, you had this discount card for me before. Can I get that one medication over here and get the rest within the insurance plan? So, you know, it's a balance of seeing people look between cash pay and seeing people look between using their insurance insurance company or their insurance benefits and that's where you know it's, it's we've seen a lot of different avenues around that and we've learned a lot out of the process of how to take some of the holes out of our system to make it a more cohesive piece so that we can reach our ultimate goal of trying to have all scripts within our system and so that we can best uh, keep the patient at the center of, of the dispensing. 
So it sounds like there's so many variables, variables built into the system. And until something, one piece changes, then you realize how much uh, variation patients and customers had expected, had just standardized in their minds. Um, so one thing changes and suddenly a whole swing of, of that payment process and cost and what they're used to changes. Um, and then you're answering those questions for them about why. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there. Are, you talk about the variables in healthcare and it just, it amazes me every time I think about that because, you know, we try and make it or try and look at the standpoint, you look at the assembly line process and how repeatable it is and how much they can put quality standards into that assembly line. And, you know, if it's whatever they're building, they know their cost of each part of that process. They know what the material coming in is and what the material going out should look like. Healthcare is so different from that perspective because there's so much patient choice that we want the patient to be a part of the process and a part of the decision-making process. But there's so much choice that they make of going to which, you know, multiple providers or, you know, you look at the, the medically homeless where they don't have a primary care physician. And the last numbers I saw was there's about 60% of individuals that don't have a primary care provider. And uh, so, you know, they're, they're continually shopping. Some of that's appropriate. I look at my 23 year old son and, he doesn't take any medications. If he gets sick one day and has the flu, um, it doesn't really matter which physician he goes into. He's got no complicating factors. So whether he goes to a nurse practitioner, a primary care physician, or you know whoever from that standpoint, um, they can all prescribe a medication or take a look and see, you know, does he have the flu? Um, what do we need to prescribe? And it's a one-time occurrence. And so it's not something that continues on. So. You know, from certain aspects, there are there is a market for that medically homeless that just want convenience and they want access and they want it on their time. And you know, those are pieces that really play into this. But uh, you know, the other complexities that really come into this are, you know, there's different brands or generics that all are on the same class of medications. And so, how do you choose which one's right for you? And how do you become a part of that process? Because there may be different costs in each one of those. Um, and then, uh, you know, you bring in the other factors around friends, family, what you see on TV, different ads. You know, those are all pieces that start playing into your decision-making process. And having the patient be at the center of this so that they're part of the decision-making process is really a key to their success and to having them begin to continue to have that adherence out there. So we've talked about pain points so far. I also want to check in with you and get your take on what you consider consumers' best hope for greater empowerment when managing their prescriptions. We've just outlined the many challenges they face in doing so. Uh, and then I want to pivot to also revisit some efforts or initiatives that have been put in place to do so that you think have fallen short. Um, so I guess we'll start with the bright spots. I, I, there's two schools of thought. One school is that there's great hope for private sector intervention. Uh, you see websites like GoodRx and others. And then there's also this school of thought that until this is fixed at a foundational level, um, systemically, that there's all those other efforts are just stopgap solutions. Um, so I'm curious what your thinking is here, Russ, and what you would consider consumers' best hope, like I said, for just greater empowerment, making informed choices when it comes to managing their prescriptions in terms of both quality and costs. Yep. Well, speaking of bright spots, I just need to catch my light on my office. The, of uh, somehow the timer went off right in the middle of this, of course, just like it uh, you know, always would. But 
so that will help put a little more more light uh, in this in this area. But uh, um, you know, you, you bring up some good points around, and hopefully, I, I caught all of that question because there was a lot to that. Um, but you know, when you look at you know the the discount cards, you look at insurance plans. There are there are some great things that it's bringing up because when you look at all the new high deductible plans or the deductibles that patients need to cover, uh, they are going to shop around for more for lower cost ways to get their medications and. In some cases, going through those discount cards is less expensive than going through the insurance company. And so, you know, those are things that, that we need to be aware of as healthcare, because that's not going to stop. It's going to continue as a, um, a system and as, as a population because, you know, we're, we're putting more costs onto the individual. So as, as healthcare programs continue to get leaner or continue to get more cost effective, they're transferring costs to the to the customer, the consumer, and so as part of that transfer of costs, the consumers need to be involved more in their own care, and that's a piece that uh, you know we need to just build into the system, and we need to accept the standpoint that customers are going to want to use these cards or that they are going to get medications in different places, and so how do we find ways to enter those in so that we can still store what they're getting as a complete profile? But also, we want to be able to act on that as well. So if interactions are occurring or if we need to go through different step therapies, because, you know, there's multiple ways that we can help control that. And, you know, if they're going through their insurance companies and we go through different prior auth adjudications or prior auths for this, you know, we may be able to start them at a lower cost medication and then work their way up if they have, if they have treatment failures on those lower cost meds. Um, so, you know, it, it's working with the patient as opposed to just giving the patient their medication and sending them on their way. And that's where having that communication and having the patient feel empowered to come back and say, you know, I really had this side effect on this medication. Is there something else I could try? Or is there something else we can look at? So, you know, having that communication is such a key point and empowering the individuals or the consumers to be a part of that. So that they can say, here's what I see going on, and here's what I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, or this is what my friend told me. Um, should I be looking in that direction as well? Because there are so many outside influences that affect our healthcare, outside of just the providers that that care for those patients. Um, I know I didn't answer your complete question. What what can I add to that, or what did I miss? No, you did. You you, you brought up the double-edged sword that discount cards can be very useful for patients at times even better than their own health plans and insurance coverage. But at the same time, they go against Banner's interest in having a holistic profile of a patient and understanding their the prescriptions as a cohesive profile. Where do retail pharmacies fit into this as they relate to your system? Do you see them as friends, foe, are they threats to you? Do you think that their competitive forces will drive out the best um, in terms of consumeristic tendencies with health systems? Let's talk about them a little bit too. Yeah, so, you know, there's, Banner has 14 retail pharmacies within it. The focus on those retail pharmacies are really around helping to provide medications for our employee population and helping to provide discount script or discharge scripts. Um, so as patients come to Banner, we really want to get their script to them 
on the at, on the time they discharge. And so as they walk out of the hospital, we want to be able to hand them their scripts, really for a couple of reasons. One, that way we know they have their scripts that they need to, to help get them better or that the doctor prescribed. And that we're also seeing there's a one to three percent decrease in readmission rates if they have their scripts the same day that they're discharged from the hospital. Um, so it just is a one way that we can help benefit those patients so that as they leave, they have the best chance of recovery. And it's one way that we really integrate retail pharmacy with the acute care environment. But we also see, you know, the CVS's, Walgreens, uh, Walmart as, as friends out there because we need them to continue to dispense meds and to take care of our patients that after we're after they're outside of our system. And so we want them to be counseling the, the patient, helping the patient out to better understand their medication protocols, um, different ways that we can, you know, get them their medications and get that to them so it's close to their home and it's, it's available to them easily. Um, however, if there's times where they have chronic disease states like diabetes, COPD, asthma, we do have pharmacy-run clinics that they can be that their physician can actually prescribe to come to those clinics, and then we can help them through the different disease states and helping them to understand diabetes or asthma and how they take their medication, help bring them into control. And we've seen uh, extremely good results with patients A1Cs of bringing that into control when they come into the the, the pharmacy-run clinics. Um, those are ways that we can provide more time with the patient. Because when you look at the average provider, and I think the last stat I saw, it was about seven minutes that each physician spent with a patient. Whereas a, a pharmacy or in clinic, they spend usually in that 20 to 25 minutes per patient and you know per visit. So that way they get to know the patient better, they get to know the patient's lifestyle, and they get to help answer questions so that we can help to get the patient the highest quality of life and the, the best outcomes out there possible within their complex disease state process or within their complex disease state. So we really see as, as a complete, we really want to look at this as a complete system. And, you know, how do we interact with the other retail pharmacies that are out there? No, that makes so much sense. I think I was probably not, didn't phrase that quite accurately, but I'm also curious about these emerging, not only pharmacy, retail pharmacies, but retail based clinics. Um, as you see, Walmart is on track to open two more this year. Uh, CVS has several in the, in the works that are on, on track still, even though the pandemic has thrown such a curveball to so many strategic plans. They are planning to invest further in those locations. Um, any thoughts on how those might drive consumerism trends forward for health systems that you would have to respond to? So I think that, uh, you know, you're right. So I think uh, CBS's last numbers, they were going to open up 1,500 health hubs across the country, and Walmart is going to be continuing to expand their reach. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to change the marketplace because they do, they're, they're close to the customer, they provide convenient access, and it's one that, it's an, it's an organization that does have more of that, they're trying to put more of that holistic care into that health hub approach. Um, or into the, the Walmart approach as well. And, you know, some of the things that I think they'll do from a retail standpoint is they'll probably bring more price transparency into this process so that you know as you walk in for a 
nurse practitioner visit, it's, it's a $25 charge. Now, I don't know this for sure. It's not something that I've, I've seen, and I, I'm going to start researching more around that standpoint. But, you know, I think just knowing that when you look at the, the retail community coming around this, uh, usually those types of events cause more, more price transparency and a, and a better way that patients can see or an easier access for patients. And those are things that, you know, as a health system, we need to continue to look for how do we make it easier for the patient to stay within the system? How do we make it easier for the patient to understand their bills? And how do we make, you know, just the overall process to them make sense so that it's intuitive? And, uh, you know, whether we're in the healthcare IDN space or whether in the retail space, I think that's everybody's goal is to make it more intuitive so that people stay with it. Because as soon as we put a barrier in front of people, the less likely they are to, uh, to continue. Um, a lot of people stop as soon as that first barrier occurs, and they stop either taking their meds or they stop you know, doing what they should just because there's something that got in their way. And we need to continue to remove those barriers. And that's one of the things we're really trying to look at as a health system is you know, how do we easily move patients throughout the system and not cause confusion? And, and Stu, I'm curious how you empower the banner pharmacists. I mean, that's it's one of the largest nonprofit health systems in the country. When it comes to, you know, so many times patients, we don't know what our prescription will cost when we approach the pharmacy cash register to check out with it. I'm curious, the same must be true for physicians, just not having a full understanding of what that cost will be to patients. How, how do you empower the pharmacists to get in touch with prescribing physicians to explore lower cost alternatives when appropriate. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, so we're, you know, currently we're working with Cerner, uh, which is our EMR, our electronic medical record. And we're putting in real-time benefits checks, in, checks into it so that when a physician prescribes a med, they could actually go to a screen that would say, here are the best places to get this medication at the lowest cost for this patient, or here are lower cost alternatives. And you know, those are ways that from a physician standpoint, we can help to guide some of the prescribing more at the time when it's occurring. Um, I do believe there's still ways that those systems need to continue to improve so that we can have more directional processes within that and more double checks within that to make sure that it's telling the, the patient the right place to go. And I, so I think there's, there's things that we need to continue to improve, but I think real-time benefits checks is one way that we can help start to improve that process. Um, but also the standpoint of working with patients when they come to the pharmacy and, you know, when they're looking at, you know, the affordability of the medications and giving them a, you know, here's what these scripts will cost as they're, before they're filling those so that we're not getting to that end and have it already filled and adjudicated and then they're going back, wait a minute, I, I can't afford that. And so that's one of the pieces that having those patients get the meds on discharge at our retail pharmacies, the physicians are usually still in the hospital, or we can get a hold of them either through Cerner messaging or through phone calls to say, is there other alternatives that we could, we could prescribe or that, that you could prescribe that would help this patient be able to afford the medication so that they're more successful in taking them long-term? Um, you know, sometimes we get in a hurry and we just don't think about it. there are other options. And so it, it's not any one individual's issue or fault but it's more of how, as a system, how do we look out for those patients to say there are lower cost alternatives 
and here's how we can work together to be part of the care team. Sounds like real-time benefit checks has been a really promising start in your eyes. It's not quite the perfect solution just yet. It needs further refinement from your perspective, more room for two-way and double checks, like you said, but also working with patients, giving them a sense of what this will cost upfront versus just waiting for them when the filled prescription is right there and they have a, a, a dollar amount in front of them. That's a shock. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's the real-time benefits check is, is a good start to it, um, but it's really then making the patient part of the care process because a, that, patient, that patient-centered approach to where they can help make decisions on their care. And the more times you look at it, you know, if you're part of the ownership of making the decision, you're more likely to continue with that adherence process. And so, you know, we really want to make, empower the patients to be a part of the process and not just be a, and I hate to use the word, but a victim of the process to where they just get handed scripts and say, go to the pharmacy, get these filled, but more understand what they're getting filled, uh, why they're getting it filled and how it's going to help them in the end. And, uh, you know, a better informed patient is, is a patient that's more likely to stay uh, with those medications and uh, stay more compliant. And Russ, I want to make sure we're also just, I know we're working in a, an environment where things are unfolding really quickly. We're learning new information about this pandemic every day and about its repercussions on our health system. But I wanted to start wrapping up today by just talking about some of the um, where you see the future of pharmacy as it relates to this pandemic, what sorts of weaknesses were brought to light in the system throughout this that you think are worth paying closer attention to moving forward. If you think mail order and online pharmacy, like you've said earlier, will be poised to thrive more in this environment, we're all more conscious about our rates of infection and transmission. Um, so I know this is a broad question, but I think any thoughts you have and that you would feel comfortable sharing at this point, um, we would very much welcome. Yeah, no, and I think, uh, you know, the, the, the COVID um, pandemic that's gone on has really enhanced the standpoint of new ways of thinking about healthcare. Um, telemedicine is dramatically moving forward in acceptance because of the standpoint patients want to stay at home. They want to be treated where they're at. I think there's other new ways that we're going to find that we can not have to be right there in the same room as the physician, but we can still be treated. And whether that's, you know, mailing blood pressure cuffs, cuffs and temperature uh, monitors out to the employee or to the patient's house to be able to have them record their blood pressure and temperature and then have the physician pop on onto a, a Zoom call like this or a Skype to be able to then see it and be able to uh, then diagnose or to treat the patient that way. Uh, maybe options in the future. Um, I saw a little uh, blurb the other day where they were creating pods that uh, had all of the medical diagnostic equipment in it, or a lot of it, and a patient just sat in the pod that had been just recently disinfected, and the patient would pop in on screen, or the, the physician would pop in on screen and instruct the patient of what they needed them to do and, you know, which tests they needed them to have run so that it minimized the risk of exposure. But those pods also could be put in employer um, uh, factories or large large buildings so that healthcare can be much closer to the patient and they're not having to travel to the physician office and take a day off versus just go down to that 
area and be able to interact with a physician or nurse or pharmacist to be able to have that interaction that's confidential, but still be able to work through it. And so, you know, I, I think as pharmacy continues to evolve, we're going to have to continue to work to supply medications in all of those different routes of having having care given or care provided. And so whether it's a telehealth visit and we need to have meds delivered then to that location or to the home, you know, those are things that we need to continue to adjust to um, and continue to work on of, you know, how do we better care for the patient where they're at versus having them come out of their way to come to where we're at. And so I think it's going to be an interesting healthcare world going forward. The piece that I don't want to lose in this process is the continuity of care. And I want to make sure that, you know, we, we are tracking the patient all the way through the process so that we can see the adherence and we can see that they're taking their medications and that, you know, they're not just stopping due to one side effect and not reporting it. And so that continuity of care going through, I think, is one of the biggest things that I hope we keep out of this. And that is, is one of my goals is to continue to use automation more effectively to interface systems together so that we can have all the information at our fingertips when we make decisions as, as clinicians. So I'm hearing it, it sounds like you, your field will need to be extremely nimble and flexible and agile moving forward, responding to the various restrictions and um, changes we're about to see in, in, as we recover from this pandemic and even moving forward, responding to future um, episodes of this virus, but at the same time, keeping that experience and continuity of care central to everything in your strategy. Yep, I think you summarized that very well. And uh, that patient-centric approach, I think, will make a big difference uh, going forward in people's health care. Absolutely. Well, Russ, this conversation went quickly today, but we are up against our time allotment. Uh, I want to thank you very much for your time and your participation in sharing these insights with us in this virtual event and carrying on this important conversation about the quality uh, and transparency as it relates to quality and price in, in pharmacy. So to those of you who tuned in, we are very grateful for your time and participation from your respective homes and offices. And finally, a thank you to my colleagues at Beckers who helped transition this from a live event to the virtual setting so speakers like Russ could be with us and share their insights with colleagues like you today. So on behalf of Beckers, please stay safe, stay, health, stay healthy, and we will see you next time. Thank you.